Hey guys, real quick before we get started, we are doing a free giveaway for listeners between now and May 31st. Cash prizes, free swag, Yacht Meetup tickets, San Diego Padre tickets, and more. All you got to do to qualify is go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and drop a five-star review. Send a screenshot to giveaway at summerscapital.com and we'll be selecting lucky winners May 31st. As always, I appreciate the support. Now let's jump into the show. What do they say about the learning pyramid? You retain 5% of what you hear but 95% of what you teach to other people. And so also a a hack, social media, when you're teaching other people, you gotta absorb way more information and retain it. But that Facebook group is actually a great place for my students to go and teach for free how to get their first deal. And it, it empowers them to actually retain the information. Welcome to the Rich Summers Report, where we talk real estate, business, and wealth building, all while keeping it real. No fluff, no BS. I hope that you enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of The Report. Today, we are live out in Nashville at the STR Wealth Conference, and we got a little crowd out here, and I got a special guest, my man, Pace Morby. Pace, welcome to the show for the second time. Rich, you're the best. Appreciate you, brother. Dude, you're too nice to me, man. You're doing so great. Last time we hung out, we hung out at one of your big Airbnbs in Scottsdale. Yep. Insane. You had, I don't know, three, 400 people show up to this thing. You're doing, you're killing it, dude. Killing. Dude, I appreciate you, man. And uh, you, you've definitely been someone who uh, inspires me. And uh, I appreciate you. You provide a lot of value to everyone, man. Thank so thank, thank you for you. that. Um, so, dude, uh, since I've had you on, it was last April. So it's been nine months now, 10 months. What the hell have you been up to, dude? Um, I got somebody pregnant. Okay. And had a baby. Congrats, by the way. That somebody's my wife, our fourth child, um, Chill Phil, our last little boy. And um, I did that. Last year, we bought about a thousand doors and put them in the portfolio using all creative finance. Um, and this year, I think we'll buy another thousand doors, probably something like that. Yeah, I love that. I'm um, so doing a lot. I love what about that. You man. Oh man, I just been uh, I've been ripping, man. So I started a boutique hotel fund last year. Yeah, which and, I, I um, remember us talking about that. And I was like, that is so freaking. Dope. Yeah, I think that not a lot of people are doing that, and it needs to be a thing. Yeah. So after I met with you about a month later, opened up a boutique hotel fund. We put three assets in it. We're about to add a fourth asset. Yes. Um, so super excited for that. 44 units up in Sonoma Coast, right on the water. Sonoma Coast um, would be Northern California? Uh, Northern California. Yeah. Sonoma Coast, right in um, Bodega Bay, an hour north of San Francisco. Wow. Okay. 44 units all with Bay Views, where we locked it up for $7 million. Wow. And uh, appraisal just came back as is 106 and a stabilized value north of 14. So That's big a win. fun to be in, man. Big win. Congratulations yeah. to your investors. That's amazing. Yeah. Excited for it. Um, so what, what are you working on right now that, that you're excited for here in 2024? You know, I, I told myself last year I was going to speak on less stages, uh, or this year I was going to speak on less stages. I, I spoke on 110 stages and, um, our TV show and all that stuff. And this year is going to be a slowdown year. Mm. I've got four kids and they're getting to the age where you start recognizing that it's time to spend way more time with them. And so I bought a Montana house, a big 20 acre parcel, $4 million purchase, how big is it? 20 acres. Wow. The house is 8,000 square feet and the barn's 3,500 square feet. And so I'll probably spend four or five months out of the year up there just turning my phone off and focusing mm. on beekeeping. I was like, okay, I, I now have 2,000 doors in my portfolio. What do I need more properties for, Rich? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's a point where it's like, what do I need more for? Mm-hmm. And so this year we decided to slow down. And that has been actually really hard. We already have 1,000 doors under contract yeah. between January 1st and today. A thousand doors, mostly 200, 200, 200 unit type of seller. These are multifamily deals. Lots of, we're doing a lot more seller finance, sub two uh, multifamily deals right now than I was ever doing single family. 
And um, it's hard because the challenge is the team that now runs the portfolio, they are financially incentivized to go buy more, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. I set it up in a way where I was like, all right, you guys get 10% of everything I buy. And then my head of operations, she gets 10, 10% by herself. So we've got a pool for the employees um, and, a, and 10% to Molly, who's my head of operations. And so their motivation is like level 1,000, whereas my motivation to go out and buy property is like a six. Yeah. You know, um, I'm at this point now where I'm like, okay, I want to buy property, but I only want to buy it to avoid taxes. Everything that I set out to do, it's like, if you bought enough boutique hotels, right? Let's say mm-hmm. you bought a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. What's the next step? You don't need more money. Right. Right. You don't need more cash flow. You don't need more living expenses. At some point, it becomes about the team and the staff that you have um, that you're like, okay, how, how do we set you guys up for retirement? Mm-hmm. And so for the last three or four months, it's been a big focal point of like, how do I set that up structurally? How do I give people phantom equity? How do I put it in a way where legally, if that person quits, they don't have any promise of anything in the future or something bad happens? It's been a lot of legal stuff f- figuring that out, but that's my big focal point. This yeah. is how do I set up the future for the people on my team? I love that. And I don't hear enough real estate investors doing that. Um, within our fund, we have a manager's LLC that owns 20% of all the stuff that we buy. Mm. So Summers Capital is 80%. And then this manager's entity is 20%. And so it's smart. it's the leaders on my team. But they're managing the assets. And they're doing asset management uh, and the day-to-day with the operations. And so I figure, you know what? Why not create an alignment of interest? It's a win for our investors because if the girls who you know, are operating the properties have ownership in these deals, we know we're going to, we're going to operate a little bit tighter and uh, more optimal. So excited for that. But, and the energy is just different. It's like, they know mm-hmm. Rich is looking out for them. You know what I'm saying? Yes. They, they know I'm not just going to work for a boss that I get a paycheck. I'm working for a company that has my alignment and in interest in their interest. And they're going to want to push and treat their inv- the investors better. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to treat the assets better. They're going to care about the culture and the community more because they're like, that's my retirement. Yeah. Like screw a 401k. Mm-hmm. Rich is giving me my retirement as long as I help make sure the ship is going in the right direction, which is amazing. And I, you know how many people I can count on um, all my fingers that actually do this? How many? You and me. Mm. I, do you know anybody that's doing this? I have not heard of it. I have not met anybody else that does it. They think I'm crazy. They're like, bro, you got enough. Slow it down. Yep. Da, da, da. Hire outside people. I'm like, no, I want to. I want to be able to have women come to me. A lot of them are women on my team. I have mostly women too. Why is that? I have 10 reasons why. Men are pieces of shit, first and foremost. They just want to steal everything from you. And yes, I'm talking to you if you're a male right now. (laughs) Most men that want to come work for you, they're wired to have their own kingdom. Mm. Um, Women are wired in a way, men are wired, me, 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 me. Women are wired, we, 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 we. They're support, right? They want to support and support and support. And they don't ever care about getting the limelight. In fact, they understand you getting the limelight benefits them. Yeah. Men are like, wait, hold on a second. Yeah. Rich is getting the limelight. So what do they do? It, subconsciously, they go create their own thing. In fact, when they work for you, they're going home at night and writing down all the notes of like, what did I learn from Rich today so I can go and do my own thing? So they're essentially what they're doing is they're disassembling your own castle to ga- g- gather the bricks to go mm. build their own castle on the side. That's so good. Dude. That's not what women do. Yeah. Very rarely does a woman want to do that. Women are very much, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself and I want to support that thing. And it's more of a natural nurture type of thing, a motherly feel. In addition to that, I mean, we, we've, we've definitely tried to hire some, some males. And uh, one thing I noticed is like, which is ironic, 
is uh, a lot of these males are a lot more sensitive than than women. And I, I noticed the women's have a lot of them, just generally speaking, it's not for all. But I, I notice and realize that women tend to have better work ethic. Yep. And um, and and you hear the thing. Better attention to detail. Yes. The attention to detail is insane compared to a, a dude. Like all my transaction coordinators, all females. Mm-hmm. Everybody that's onboarding my assets into the portfolio, everybody that talks to the tenants, they're all female. Uh, their attention to detail is at a high, a very high level. And when you say sensitive, you mean the dudes are like, I just don't want to work that hard. Yeah. Or, or they're sensitive to, you know, constructive criticism and conversations where uh, the women are a little bit less sensitive. They're more loyal. And um, I don't know. It's, it's not that I've intentionally done it, but it's just kind of like happened that way. You know, I have the same thing for me. I came from a family of eight sisters and three brothers. So I have 12 kids in my family. So I thought it came from that. But naturally, I just found the better people for the job. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I look at all these other people. Um, every acquisition person I had on my team that was a male, it was a six month time frame, and then they're out, and they're going and building their own th- team. And not only that, but they'll take other dudes with them, right? So the last time I really let men be in charge of my acquisition stuff is I had a guy named Tino. Shout yeah. out to Tino, smart guy, really love him, great guy. But it was a whole thing where when he left, it was like, yeah, I planned on leaving from day one, and you just gave me the keys to the kingdom. I could go and take it. What he did is he took four of my people with him. Mm. Right? Like, That's crazy. Men are hostile. Like they, they will do some gangster stuff, which I appreciate. But also, like, dude, I'm not trying to give you the keys to the kingdom, so you just steal them. Mm-hmm. Because what they did is they don't. You're not just stealing things from me. You're stealing te- stuff from the other people on the team. Yeah. And so I have to protect my culture where I'm like, all right, I'm not going to put a man in, in charge of those types of things. So it just naturally kind of fell, the cards just kind of fell that way. Yeah. I love that you give equity to, you know, uh, the, the folks that are moving the needle on your team. Um, the beauty of commercial real estate is it's a team sport. Yeah. And there's enough equity to go around on these larger deals. And at the end of the day, man, it's like, you know what? Um, I don't want to do this alone. No. Like, I know that we're going to go to the top. I mean, have you and, ever done it on your own? No. Like in the beginning, did you ever try? Um, at the beginning, I was kind of like rolling solo, right? Yeah. We, all, we all start somewhere. Um, but I quickly realized as I grow and hire more people, the growth happens at a quicker and quicker rate. It starts to compound more and more. And the beauty of commercial real estate is like the bigger the deal, the bigger the team, you yes. know? I'm curious, how do you treat uh, any leadership, you know, folks in your group that end up leaving? How do you treat that equity that you give them? So it's phantom equity. So they only get it when they hit a certain point in the business. Okay. So they can't earn it. So for me, it's 10 years. Okay. So they're not getting any, they have phantom equity. So they don't actually own anything. It's called it, phantom equity. It's just not captured until they hit it's the 10-year mark. It's not captured until they hit, hit, hit a certain level. So if they, let's say I tell somebody 10 years, they're with me nine years, 350 days. They're five, six days away from vesting at mm. the 10-year 10, 10 mark. They get nothing. Mm. They get nothing. And the reality is I pay them 10% over market. So I'm paying them well above and beyond, but that's just the cherry on, cherry on top. And I tell them, look, you should find your own investments. You should put your money in places. You should be focusing on your retirement as well. But this is a massive cherry that I want you to know. I want to be, I want to be here in 10 years. I want you to be in, here in 10 years. The worst part of a business is finding the leadership team. I don't want to have to recreate that. And so for me, I, create, I created a timetable and found the people that are okay with that timetable that 10 years was the number. I love that. Are you doing that or are you just giving them straight up equity right now? Straight up equity. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. For, for the leaders on the team, it's straight up equity. So if, if one of them left today, they would keep the equity. 
Um, we just had someone leave and we're working with our legal counsel, just kind of trying to figure out what that's going to look like. Yeah. So I spent a year yeah. up front because I, I read a book, um, where there was a story very similar to what you're going through, where okay. they had an employee quit. They, the second they got the equity, they were like, Oh wait, I don't have to do anything else for this equity. Oh, you, I'll give you a great story. Let's hear it. Anna Martinez, shout out to Anna Martinez. <laughs> Love her. Um, she worked for me for eight years okay. and the second this one thing happened, she quit. Mm. So I'm like, man, you've been with me for eight years. I, she was on my acquisition team for a couple of years when we were primarily wholesaling. This is years ago. Sure. And we got, get the sub two deal and I go, Hey, you know, you made 50, we made $50,000 on an assignment, two deals before. And I owe you $5,000 on that deal. That's coming due on this pay period. I'll give you the sub two house so you can move in with your, your family. And in lieu of the $5,000 thing, I'm like, that's like a $50,000 value. I'll give instead of the 5,000. She's like, nope, I want the 5,000 in cash. I'm like, Anna, you're so short-sighted. You got to get your family into a house. We got to get you into a house. We got every time I tried to get her a sub two deal, she wouldn't want it for whatever reason. So one day after eight years of uh, being with me, we had a mastermind. We're all in our, our office and we had a hundred students there. And I said, Hey guys, we got a great prize. And Anna Martinez come up to the front of the room and I handed her keys to a house I bought for her. Mm. She quit the next day. Mm. Quit the next day, bro. Wow. And I was like, wow, I did not align our interests properly. I learned a lot of things. She, we still hang out. I love her so much. She comes over and this is now five years ago she quit. She now has her own business. She, she does her own thing and I'm proud of her for doing that. But I lost a really great asset. And what's funny, this is the funniest thing about it, Rich. She says, if I hadn't quit, I would have been in a better position if I had stayed with you today versus going and starting my own thing. Mm. So she's like, I wish you figured out how to align with me so I didn't feel motivated to leave. So from that uh, occurrence, that's when the phantom equity tenure thing came into play. I was like, okay, how did I went to my attorney? Yeah. I, I have a family office that manages my money. The name of the company is Do Wealth. Okay. And I go to Do Wealth. The guy that represents me, his name's Ryan. So I go to Ryan. I go, bro, this is what I want to do. And he's like, all right, let me get the best attorneys on it. And we spent the better part of a year coming up with the structure. You should talk to Ryan. I'll let you talk to Ryan. Okay. Maybe it's too late for you on this round, but like going forward. Yeah. I'd but love they, to. They quit. You fire them for any reason. Any reason. Does not matter. They don't get any of the equity. Mm. Even past the 10 years. No, no. If they're if they make it to ten years in one day, they they can theirs. leave. Yeah, and it's theirs. They can leave. Yeah. I like that. But like why that. would they? Like if you at that point, properly, right? Properly, why would they? One hundred percent. Ten years is a long time. Yeah. If you love real estate investing, passive income, and tax benefits, but don't have the time, my company, Summers Capital, is buying boutique hotels right now. We source the deals, we renovate the properties, and we even handle all the day-to-day -day management, making it truly hands-off for our investors. If you want to learn more to see if we can help you, visit summerscapital.com slash invest to book a call with our team. Again, that's summerscapital.com slash invest. Now back to the show. So you mentioned um, you're going to kind of take your foot off the pedal for a little bit. You're going to stop speaking as much this year. Uh, you're going to be out at, is it Montana property? I'll be up in Montana a lot more. I, you what, know, five months out of the year? Five months out of the year. I'll do some of my own events up there okay. and hang out up there. And So question for you. I mean, yeah. I know as a real estate investor, as an entrepreneur, personally, what makes me happy and satisfied and, and fulfilled in life is continual growth and progress. Yeah. The second I stop growing, the second I stop uh, pushing the pedal or the gas pedal, if you would, I'm not as happy. And so I know you, you know, going out and building your thing and all the stuff that you built, which is quite impressive. 
Uh, how do you balance taking your foot off the pedal, but still feeling fulfilled in terms of like growth and progress? I'm no longer building a portfolio. I'm now building leaders to build the portfolio. Mm. And so my lead, what I am building this year, Rich, and one of the reasons why I have to take a step back is that I've learned myself. I learned when I put myself in a situation where I have to focus on letting other people do the work. I'll give you another great example. When we get our TV show on Annie three years ago, I was so involved in my business, bro, like 40, 50 hours a week involved in my business, then 20, 30 hours in, on my brand and doing these things and family, like all the things, right? Just grinding as we do as investors. I get the TV show and then on day one on set, on set they go, uh, yeah, give us your cell phone. You're not allowed to have your cell phone on set. Boy, did I learn leadership and delegation very, very quickly. And you guys are shooting for hours, right? We're shooting 10 hours a day for, no 10, phone. for 10 months, no phone. Wow. So what that did is it forced me, and I'm so grateful for this lesson because it forced me to hire people better than me and pay them really good money. And I remember my partner at the time, he would say stuff like, I go, we need to hire somebody as head of ops for me, just take stuff off my plate. And he's like, no, you'd need an assistant. I'm like, bro, I don't need an assistant. I need a head of operations. Somebody that's like $110,000 a year. He's like, we'll find somebody for 50, 60, 70. I'm like, no. So I just, he, I kept fighting with him. And I ended up just hiring somebody on my own for 180 grand a year plus equity. And that person has changed my entire life. And I'm like, okay, there's evidence here. This works. How do I go find find five more of those people? And so this this year is going to be focusing on building those people to run everything. And I will focus on building leaders rather than building a portfolio. I love that. The leaders will build the portfolio. Yeah, I love that. And I I think by paying more uh, or above market value and, and providing equity, um, you know, you're getting a lot more output because you're getting better quality people and you're getting a lot more output to the same ratio that you're paying or where, to extra. Where are they going to go? Right. That's the other thing too, is like, I need to pay them so much more money than anybody else that anybody else is like, you're out of your effing mind. Where did I get this idea from? Check this out. Do you know Ken McElroy? Yes. I know of him. I never met him personally. Good friend. Love him so much. He's a mentor of mine. He's got 9,000 units. Homeboy's got a t- completely different world going on. Okay. So you go to his office which is always enlightening to go to a big, you know, badass's office. Dude's mm-hmm. worth a billion dollars. You go to his office, he starts showing you the, the departments and the people. And it's like, oh, dude, I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have that. And we weren't, we did not talk about assets at all. We talked about human capital all day long. And he takes me to a department and he goes, this is my favorite department. We turn the corner. He's like, here's the door. And on the door, the lady's job is director of philanthropy. Her job is to give a million dollars away every single month. Wow, I love that. Bro, he recruited the head like philanthropy person from ASU mm. to come and work for him, pays her multiple six figures a year, and she is her job is to give away a million dollars a month. a month. That's insane. That's another level. And I said, you know, this is three years ago. I said, what was the biggest difference for you? And he said, when I told myself that I only could work 90 minutes a week. He works 90 minutes a week. Every Tuesday, goes into the office, 90 minutes. Now, brand is different. He's working on his brand, his YouTube channel, whatever else. He says, I'm only involved for 90 minutes. And when I learned that it all came down to me building leaders, that then the leaders will build the portfolio, that's where everything changed for me. And I was like, wow. I love that. He's not involved in the acquisition. He's not involved in the rent. He's not involved in anything anymore. He owns the thing. And I think by, you know, paying above market value and giving equity, it's like, 
your team is no longer thinking in terms of an employee. They're thinking in terms of an entrepreneur, an investor in your business. And so now when we go do these events, um, you know, the team is recruiting. They're like, you know, they're looking for new clients. They're looking for new investors and yes. all that sort of thing. When we host these meetups, they're part of the growth, which is huge. And so yes. it's kind of a mind shift, uh, mindset shift, if you would, which is cool because now I'm not growing it on my own. But Which is scary, though, because you go so long grinding out on your own mm-hmm. that now you feel like, wait, what value do I bring anymore? Yeah. Which is such a that's the biggest mindset thing that I've had to work on. And so well, that's why I'm going to Montana. That's why I'm speaking. Now, I'll speak in front of more people. Right. I'll speak to more people this year. I, you know, you'll now, have a bigger reach, a bigger reach. You know, we get I probably get 300 requests a year for stage appearances. Last year, we said yes to 110 of them. Wow. And the other ones, just the timing wasn't right or it just wasn't a good market fit where it's like, you're not a real estate conference and I, I talk real estate, you know, that kind of stuff. But this year it was, if you don't have at least 2000 people, I can't leave my family and I can't leave what I'm it doing. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And like today's my daughter's two-year-old birthday mm. and I'm here in Nashville. So it tells you that I do, I do balance. I will be home this afternoon. So it's not like it's the end of the world. She's two years old. It's not like it's her 16-year-old birthday. But- I, this year I'll speak on probably 70 stages, but the average stage will be 3,000 to 4,000 people, all bigger stages, which is great. Cool. Then I'm doing my job, which allows us to raise more capital. When I'm on stage, guess what we do? We raise way more money. We get more deal flow. We get all sorts of amazing things. So my team is like, go on stage and leave us alone. Yeah. And I'm like, Ooh, that's music to my ears. Well, and, and quite frankly, that's, you know, your highest and best use right. that, the content and speaking, that's not something that you can delegate out. Um, I recently hired a director of sales who's mm-hmm. going to uh, take all the investor calls, raise all the capital when we have, when we have um, opportunities. So good. Um, and so now I can focus on my highest and best use, which I'm quickly realizing is doing content, recording podcasts like this, speaking events. It's, it's uh, and, so important because when you think about as you, Rich, you're going to get so big, okay? You're going to get so big that you can't even imagine how big you're going to get. You mm-hmm. will. That's undoubtedly true, 100% true. In order for your team to get big and your director of sales to be able to do his job easier, your face has to be in the eyeballs of millions of more people, okay? So your director of sales, he's talking to people that are like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll deploy 100 grand, I'll deploy $200,000. If they haven't seen Rich Summer's face, that guy's job is gonna be a lot harder. And so you need to get your ass out on more stages and more podcasts, just like me, right? We got to do more in order to let our team's jobs be a, a little bit easier. Brandon Turner, okay? Are you friends with Brandon? Uh, I've never met him personally, actually. Are you? Yeah, I know of him, though. Okay, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll connect you guys. Yeah. Great guy. So I, I actually, my team consulted with Brandon. Brandon has like 50 people on his team. They have 12,000 units. Dude is freaking crushing it. Why? Well, because he's going out and syndicating and raising capital from people who recognize his face. Even though they've never spoken to Brandon Turner, they've seen his face everywhere. So when the director of sales or the investor relations girl or gal or guy Mm -hmm. talks to them, it's an easy conversation. Yeah. And so, yes, you got to be out there more because that director of sales, if he understood what you brought to the table, he would know Rich has got to be on 10 times more stages, 10 times more often. Yeah, 100%. And, And I say this all the time. You know, we have a lot of technology out there. AI is one of them. Uh, second one is, is content, social media. Yeah. And so for all the entrepreneurs out there, the real estate investors that are not utilizing the technology, it's going to be really challenging for them to compete in the marketplace with folks like yourself, folks right. like myself. It, it is crazy. And it's free to post. 
Um, but to your point, like a lot of our capital raise, it comes from the podcast, you know? And by the time these folks that like, get on the call with the team, it's like, hey, they've, they've listened to hours and hours. They already feel comfortable. They trust you. And it's a five-minute conversation typically. Yeah. They, you know? You're already the expert. You know what the hell you're talking about. You have proximity to other guests. They're like, oh my gosh, I want to be friends with Rich. And mm -hmm. what's cool is that they, as they invest, they become your partner. Yeah. And they do become your partner in these deals. What, so you got to create that hero for them to invest in, which is what you're doing a great job of. I appreciate you. But this is what makes it, uh, the, the old school folks, uh, my mentor, uh, his name's Tony Azar, owns 7,000 units out of Charlotte. Damn. Um, but he's been doing this for a while. And he raised all his investor capital one handshake at a time. Freaking playing golf no one, people. No one knows who he is on social media, yeah. but I'm like, dude, that's impressive to raise all that investor capital and not be on social media at all. It's scary to think about <laughs> how much more work they had to do. Like yeah. when you talk to Ken McElroy about, hey, Ken, how did you make, raise all these billions of dollars? Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm, I met with people. I went and played golf with people. I'm like, what? Like one-on-one? -on -one? Yeah. How are you doing that? It's the cheat code. Like, it is the cheat a code. Brand is the cheat code, and I feel like a lazy piece of crap compared to those old school guys. But I'll take that all day long. Yeah. What What do you think separates the you know entrepreneur or real estate investor that is trying to build their personal brand, the ones that are doing a great job of it and actually growing audiences, versus the ones that are trying to do it but they're not exactly growing? One difference. What is it? Until you've helped somebody else get your first deal, and you feel that emotional income, you think everything's about yourself. Mm. And so when you actually have helped somebody else get their first deal or have some success and that gets fed back to you and they go, you changed my life. You did this thing for, you, for me. That becomes the helper's heroin. It is a heroin I cannot get. I have to have. It. I crave it every day. I want to hear somebody say, I, I, I left my husband because I finally have money or this. I, we got back together because we finally have money or I decided to have three kids because of you instead of one because I made enough money because... When you understand the power that you have, you realize you're selfish when you're not putting your brand out there because it then compounds the amount of people that you can help. So the difference I see in people that are not posting and the people that are, the people that are not posting have actually never helped anybody besides themselves. And if you help somebody else besides yourself, you get that addiction of, wow, that's why I was put on this planet. How do I do that faster? There's one answer, social media. Yeah. I'm curious your, your opinion on this. So uh, I've had hundreds of conversations on this podcast and I noticed the folks that are actually growing their audiences and the ones that are not, the biggest difference that I notice is when the lights come on, uh, the cameras come on, they kind of turn into a personality. So mm. not crazy difference, but they, they live up to the light, the limelight and they turn into, it's a little bit of acting, right? Yeah, yeah. You're entertaining at the end of the day. You got to be interesting. You got to turn it on a little bit and have that other gear. So I notice there's a second gear that kicks in when the lights come on. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think that everybody has a little bit of like, you have to speak a little faster. I mean, there's me mechanical things that I'm aware of when I'm on a camera. It's like, if you and I were just hanging out um, without cameras and without a microphone on, I'd probably speak a little slower, but I know we have limited time and I know the audience member is driving to work or doing whatever and they want me to talk faster instead of deliberate and take a lot of time. Outside of that, I don't do that. However, there are people that are really good at turning it on and becoming complete. It's like, yeah. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of thing. It's polar opposite human beings that I see them in person, then I see them on a podcast. They're not the same person. I think that also can be polarizing for somebody that's starting, trying to start their own brand. They're like, wait, hold on. That's what I have to do. I have to like turn it on and be shiny and have a Gucci belt on and all these fancy things on. And I have to have the nice watch. 
that's their idea of what success looks like. Therefore, they are not willing to post themselves because they don't see themselves in that situation. For me, I'm like, I'm just going to be myself so you know it's perfectly okay for you to be an idiot. It's okay for you to stutter. It's okay for you not to say the most um, prolific things. Like Alex Ramosi says something amazing out of his mouth every 15 seconds. That's so impressive. And I'm, I'm good friends with Alex. I'll text him. I'm like, bro, I'm like, you son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> you were given some gift from God. And he practices a lot. Obviously, he's very good. But other people look at Alex Ramosi and they go, I have to try to become Alex Ramosi. And they have to like push themselves to that brink. I realize that the people that we really want to watch, though, at the end of the day, are the ones that are authentically themselves. Alex Ramosi is authentically himself. Mm -hmm. You are authentically yourself. There's other people that are authentically themselves. It's like that. I'd rather have 5,000 views with people that resonate with me Mm -hmm. than 5 million views of just trying to get more views. I want the ideal client. Yeah. I want the ideal investor that's going to give me, you know, you got this badass deal in Northern California. You want somebody that's going to take action on that thing and, and realize, we, we bought this thing for $7 million. It's appraised at $10.6 million. You want the person that is ready to write a check and take action and, and partner with you rather than get Mr. Beast's followers and views. Yeah. You don't want that crap. Yeah, absolutely. I, right? You want the authentic people that are ready to invest and take action with you. I've also noticed the, uh, the demographic is different for all these different platforms. For example, the TikTok demographic oh, might be yes. a, the youngest age group. Instagram is a little bit older and generally a little bit more uh, IQ level um, and higher net worth, more sophisticated. And I would say the highest out of all the platforms would be the podcast listeners, you know, the ones that are listening to hour long podcasts on their way to work when they're working out. Those are the folks that are really trying to educate themselves and better their lives. But I notice those folks that come from the podcast tend to be the most sophisticated and have the highest net worth. Are you seeing this on your end as well? 100%. Um, I'd say my start at the very top, you've got um, podcast, then go to YouTube. Then it goes to Facebook group, like my, fa- my actual Facebook group. Then it goes to Instagram. Then it goes to TikTok. And then what I find is that LinkedIn is actually one of my lower ones. It's a bunch of people looking for jobs. It's very interesting. I don't, I, maybe I just haven't figured out LinkedIn. Um, but for sure, podcasts are very, very t- at the very, very top. What do you do with your Facebook group? Um, I have a free Facebook group that what happened, Rich, when I first started five, six years ago, actually building brand and getting out there. I had a good Instagram following locally, but nobody knew me nationally. Mm. And it got to a point where I was doing all these Friday jam sessions at my office with this big whiteboard that I was getting people travel traveling from like Portugal and Spain and all these places to come to my Friday jam sessions. And this the people come up to me and go, just so you know, I flew from Portugal to Dallas to then get here to make sure that I can't. I'm like, I'm just doing whiteboard sessions for free. What do you mean? And what are you teaching on the whiteboard? Creative finance at the okay. time. I was just creating, I was showing people actual deals and then I would drive people around in my Prius and take them to appointments to see what it looks like to negotiate with a seller directly. That's so cool. It was so fun. And um, this was more like seven, six, seven years ago. And it compounded to such a significant problem that I just, I couldn't answer everybody's questions. It was three, 400 people that would travel in for this thing on Fridays. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And somebody says, create a, fa- a Facebook group. So I created a free Facebook group and all of a sudden it's like blew up. We get about 2,000 new members a, a week. Wow. And How many total? We have 150,000, wow. which is great. And what it, what it now is, is that it's now a place for my students in my private Facebook group to go help the non-students in the free Facebook group get their first deal. So it lets my students go practice what they learned on people that have not learned anything. And what do they say about the learning pyramid? You retain 5% of what you hear but 95% of what you teach to other people. 
And so also a, a hack, social media, when you're teaching other people, you got to absorb way more information and retain it. But that Facebook group is actually a great place for my students to go and teach for free how to get their first deal. And it, it gives them, it empowers them to actually retain the information properly. I love that. Hey guys, real quick, the only way the show grows, the only way we continue to bring on bigger and better guests is if you guys rate, review, and share the show. So if you could take two seconds or the click of the thumb to review on Apple or Spotify, it will mean the world to me. But more importantly, we'll be able to reach more entrepreneurs and more real estate investors and help them build wealth through this podcast. Now back to the show. And by the way, shout out to your community that you built, the Sub2 community, your mastermind. Uh, we get folks out in our San Diego meetups that are like rocking your stuff, yeah. the peace sign hats. Um, and you, you built a loyal community, man. How many members do you guys have now? We have 15,000 people in sub two. I love I that. have 8,000 people in Gator. And then I have about a thousand people in top tier TC. So it's uh sub two finds the deals. Gator funds the deals. And then top tier TC actually runs the transactions for all of them. So they're like the glue. And, um, it's just one collective. We call it the creative university. And it's just one collective community of people hanging out. It honestly is. Every time I take a speaking engagement, I also do a meetup the same day. Mm. So, uh, so tonight you're hosting a meetup here? I did one this morning. In the oh, hotel. this morning. I love that. Yeah, I was like, oh, crap, I got to get back home. So I'll do one in the morning. So we had breakfast with each other in the hotel lobby. I love that. And the hotel kicked us out. It was too many people. <laughs> so I, do, you know, I did that 110 times last year. So you imagine what happens when you go and meet 110 times. You go and meet four, five, six, seven hundred 700 people like L.A., we get 1,200 people that show up to our meetups, 1,200. Wow. And then I try, I probably end up meeting 80% of them, not just taking photos, but like hearing their name and talking to them and doing all the things. And because of that, they feel more attached to the community and they end up doing deals with each other. And then of course they get, they're freaking fanatical. Yeah. When you can go buy properties with other people in your community, you get fanatical. You know? Yeah. I love that. Um, you know, it's funny. This is, this is actually the second time I've done it where I'm speaking or recording a podcast in a various town and then hosting a meetup. I did it recently in Miami, and then we hosted a meetup last night here uh, in downtown Nashville, and then tonight- Where'd you guys do it? We did it at uh, Nashville Underground's rooftop okay, over somebody here. Told me, somebody brought this up to me. They said that the meetup last night was awesome. Thank you, man, I yeah. appreciate that. Um, so tonight we're doing like an intimate dinner. Uh, we got a private room at the 2130 Club here nice. in Nashville. We got the executive private dinner table. Um, 16 of us, so the team's gonna come out, but we invited uh, like a select 10 folks here at this event that um, that are interested in getting into the boutique hotel space. We're gonna do a nice little dinner collab, give them a chance to you know get to know the team and, and uh, for us to get to know them, which is pretty cool. It's so smart in a lot of ways, okay? So American Airlines, for example. Mm -hmm. I have this status at American Airlines called Concierge Key. Okay. It is the, it's a status that you don't even see anywhere on the website. It's a, a status where they'll pick you up from your house. They You don't have to like check in and they just take your bags. They walk you, they drive the golf cart to the front gate. They get you out of, it's insane what they do. And this status in, is a very small elite group of people. And so then you get connected to these other people that have status, which is so fun. And so I go on a Delta flight the other day and I was like, you know what? This Delta flight is actually nicer. Like the, the seats are nicer and the, da, 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 da. but you know what? I'm never leaving American Airlines because of the way they treat me with this status. So my point in all of this is that you, you create a small group of people that have now a higher status, not just with you, but with each other. And you have an intimate room where everybody gets eyeball team or eyeball time with everybody else. They walk away from a 10 person dinner 
edified, connected, motivated, inspired, inspired, and they have actual traction because they were able to have deep and meaningful conversations. That status is so important for people and it helps them adhere to the boutique hotel um, industry at a level that they could never get from a YouTube video, uh, you know, a big seminar. They can't get that, bro. Mm. So for you to give somebody that status and create that environment, kudos to you. That's life-changing for those 10 people. I love that, man. Uh, I didn't know American Airlines had that. I recently joined uh, SetJet and um, actually used them for the first time a month ago. I flew from San Diego to Scottsdale, but basically paid 99 bucks for a membership. And then instead of purchasing the whole private plane, you purchase a seat on the plane. So smart. It's about the same cost as a first-class ticket. Um, and it might be you and 10 folks yeah. um, on the way back from Scottsdale. It was it was uh, two of us and no no one else. Yeah. So it's Presley and I and no one else. We had the whole plane to ourselves, so which is cool. pretty cool. It makes but, you never want to fly any other thing other than set jets. Yeah. So what is the American thing that you said they pick you up at your house and they take you straight to the plane? So take me straight to the plane. If I have a transition, like I have a transition going home tonight from D- in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So they'll pick me up at the airplane to drive me over to the other airplane. So I don't have to walk into the wow. and do all this stuff. They do. Um, you know, that's pretty cool. Oh, it's great. I, it's like a full time. So I have a full time employee at American Airlines that's dedicated just to me. Wow. So they'll text me. They'll call me. Hey, do you have any flights coming up this week? I'll text them. Hey, change this flight to this. It's and I'll voice memo them. They take care of everything for me. Now, if you can fly direct, let's just say Atlanta to Phoenix mm-hmm. on, let's say Delta, will you still fly American and connect? No, you will not. You'll no. still take the nonstop. If I, it's val- a different I value my to- time more than yeah, anything okay. else. But if I have a choice between Delta and American Airlines, and Delta leaves twenty minutes earlier, I'm choosing American Airlines. Yeah. Question for you with your mastermind. So we launched a boutique hotel mastermind last year. Um, we're growing it. We got a lot of good quality members, high caliber folks. Investor girl Britt, shout out Britt, just joined our mastermind. Her and Bethany LaFlam, who is our love SEC attorney, shout out to Bethany. Love both of them. They just closed on a 25 unit hotel yeah, they down in me, Belize. They asked me to invest, and I was like, I'm in the middle of a raise right now. I can't invest in the yeah, deal. Yeah. yeah. So, anyhow, uh, Investor Girl Britt's in our mastermind, and she's going to be providing a lot of value in terms of like, you know, how to build your personal brand, uh, raising uh, investor capital. Um, but I'm curious for you, how do you identify the members in your mastermind that you want to promote, bring up, and allow them to start coaching some calls? Um, I the number one thing is consistency. So you know we have fifteen thousand people in our community, and I promote them as I call them alumni or leaders. And I'd say eighty percent of them rise to the calling. Twenty percent of them are like, "This is too much pressure," and they buckle. It just happens. Um, but the 80%, the 100% that I go and love on are consistent. That's number one. Consistent at what? Consisting, consistently helping other people get deals with a passion. Mm. I call it the, the Midas touch. Do they have the Midas touch? Can they touch you as a new student and they can help you get a deal? And if they have that Midas touch, then I'll fly out personally and spend a day with them and show them what it means to be a leader. And I'll spend a bunch of time. You'll see sometimes on my Instagram stories, I'm traveling with some of my students. Yeah, I see it all the time. Those are the ones that I'm promoting up inside the community because they've helped 15 people get their first deal last month or whatever it was. And so I promote them and promote them and put them on Zooms, put them on other things, have them run meetups, do all that kind of stuff. Now, what's great about that is it gives them more exposure. They can raise money internally. Mm-hmm. They can get people to recruit to onto their team. And then they get tons of deal flow being sent to them. And then the deals don't come to me anymore. I love that. You mentioned you got a thousand units under contract since the first of the year. Yeah. Um, as the date of this recording, it's like February sixth or seventh, I believe. Yeah. Um, how are you finding these deals? Every one of them is basically an expired listing. Mm. It's uh, where agents fail. I'm just like, thank God for agents. 
Um, sorry if you're an agent out there, but agents, as you know, know very, very little about real estate when they first jump into real estate and very few of them actually rise to the 1%. So what happens is they get these listings, they go and list the property. They, they don't know what they're doing. They say no to creative finance on the listing or while they're getting pitched, they go, no, no seller finance, no creative finance, no sub two stuff. But why do they say that? They say that because they don't know how to overcome it with their own sellers. So they're like, I don't know what the hell you're asking me. And I don't know how to... O- to tell you I'm the licensed professional, but I actually don't know my butt from a hole in the ground. I don't want to tell you the truth. So I'm just going to tell you my seller doesn't want to do creative finance. So we just wait for those agents to get fired. We call the agent to, or we call the seller directly. So like uh, RV park that I just closed up in Montana, $5 million purchase price, $0 down to the seller. Agent had it listed for eight months. Finally, the seller's like, I'm sick of you. His, Sarah, uh, seller's name is Eric. We called the seller, Eric, and we go, hey, we offered your agent on month four, month five, month six, and month seven, creative finance. He said no every single time. Maybe we're barking up the, tr- the wrong tree. Just want to see mm-hmm. what you thought of our offer. He says, I never saw your offer. That's wow. very typical. Like literally 95% of the time we talk to the, the seller directly after they get fired or after they fire their agent, the seller says, I never got, and nobody ever pitched anything to me. So that's number one place we go is expired listings. And this works with commercial real estate as well? Yeah, I got this. On, I went on Crexy. I bought car washes this way. Um, commercial, big time. So go on Crexy right now. C-R-E-X-I. I like Crexy more than I like mm-hmm. Net. And filter on Crexy to owner finance. You'll find hundreds of properties across the country right now. Little hotels. 14 unit, 25 unit. Yeah. Very common in the hotel space. Yeah, very common in the hotel space. Are you guys picking up hotels too? No. How come? I'm not smart enough. Mm. Now you're picking up car washes and I, I, I imagine you're not operating the car washes. So I'm how not, are you operating I'm those? I, it's just, it's like, what else could I, what else could I do? I could also do assisted living, which crushes. I could yeah. also do other, other things. I just, I found my lane. I love it. And I, it's like when you're first starting in the business, it's like trying to find a vein, right? You ever get your blood drawn and somebody misses your vein and they have to do it again. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. And so for me, once you find that vein of what's working, I just double down, double down, double down. Now, I have a lot of people that actually are in my community that also learn from you. Mm. And I'm champ. They're using creative finance to go do boutique hotels and they're obsessed with it. And I'm like, go do that. I'm not obsessed with it, but they are, which is great. Um, I'm just obsessed on the acquisition side. And hotels are just not my thing. I look at Ben Mala, like crushing it on the hotel space. And I'm like, that's not my thing. Just like big buildings out here. I'm like, that's not my thing. I think sophisticated. People are probably doing those boutique yep. hotels. I think when you told me what you were doing with boutique hotels, I go, this is so smart because a beginner can do this. Yeah. And it's also gets them into the foray of um, hospitality so they can go do bigger things over time and compound their learning while they're, they're learning from you. It's just not a, it's just not a business I ever got into. Yeah. No, I get it. But I think right now there's one of the biggest opportunities of our lifetime. We got why, why wouldn't it be for the next twenty years? We like, got forty million baby boomers retiring in the next seven years. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of businesses that uh, you know performing, yeah. uh, but they're not going to be sold, and the kids don't want them. Nope. Uh, it's estimated that twenty five percent of the boutique hotels out there that are priced ten million and under are owned by these boomers. So it's yeah. a massive opportunity to go out there, and it's not just the hotels, but it's all these small businesses. It's the car washes. So. I mean, they say it's going to be the greatest transfer of wealth in American history. It's going to go down over the next seven years, which is crazy to think about. That's our number one thing that we're doing right now is gobbling up from baby boomers. I love that. And what we're doing is we're gobbling them up because they want to retire. And they go, well, if I want to retire and I want to sell my asset, I have two choices. Well, there's three choices, but they only know of two. 
Option one is I don't retire and I 1031 into a larger asset and heaven knows they don't know how to operate. They're not coming to these things. They're not in your mastermind. Mm -hmm. They're not learning how to actually operate. So they're all mom and pop investors that are mismanaging everything, which gives the opportunity to you and your students. But they go, I got a 1031 into a larger asset so I don't pay the taxes. That's option one. Option two is they go, I'll sell the asset and I'll just pay the capital gain on the thing and I'll just walk away with the rest of the money and hopefully I can live on the rest of that money. Or option three, they sell on seller finance and we help them mitigate or overcome the entire capital gain structure through doing seller finance. And they get the full amount of money and they get a monthly payment for the rest of their life as they're in retirement. So you mix what creative finance has to offer and what you're doing, bro, you, the people learning boutique hotels are going to clean the floor, bro. Like you're yeah. going to hold, you're going to pick up so many properties. Yeah. How long do you think that that's going to go? That's going to go probably 10 to 15 years. There's going to be this massive wave of these boomers exiting their businesses where your students just get to hold their hands out and go, I'll take it. Yeah. And it's prevalent in the boutique hotel space because a lot of these mom and pops bought their hotels 30 years ago, 40 years ago with seller uh, financing. And yeah. so they're already expecting to exit via seller financing. But one thing I don't hear a lot of folks talk about with the seller financing is when you go to pay back that note after you took that uh, that owner's hotel uh -huh. from a $1.5 million hotel to a $4.5 million hotel in 12 months. You're making your debt service payments on time for two, three years. When you go to refinance and pay that investor back, or maybe you're selling the asset for a profit, that, that seller is now going to become your biggest investor. Yeah. They're going to give you the money right back for your next project. Like, yeah. think about that. Yeah. My, when I was learning how to raise capital, I was Googling like, how do I get money? How do I get private money? How do I get private money? And then my mentor at the time, her name is Eileen. She said, your best private money lenders are going to be your sellers. Mm. And I was like, how? This is about eight years ago. And she says, just ask the next seller that you buy their property with cash. What are they going to do with the property? What, what are they going to do with the money? So the next lady I asked was Desiree. She, I bought her house on Wolf Street for $110,000. I said, what are you going to do with that $110,000? She's like, I'm going to go pay off my van. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do that. I'm like, what if I could make your van payment for you? Mm. And then even after the van payment's paid for, you still have the $110,000. I just pay you interest only for the next whatever. And she's like, show me. So I took her to four properties. I said, I could put 25 grand here. I could put 50 grand here. I could da, 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 da. And so still to this day, eight years later, she's still one of my private money lenders. I'd say 20% of my private money lenders are my sellers. But that's, that's a really great point. Yeah. Because what the, they're not going to give them, they don't want the money in one fell swoop. Mm -hmm. It's irresponsible. We're, we're, we're paying back a, um, a uh, seller who financed a hotel for us right now. We're in the process of it. And, and he goes, he goes I, I don't want the money back. He goes, <laughs> I, I like the cash flow. He's like, me and my wife are living off of this yeah. cash flow. And so to your point, man, I think that's a huge opportunity. Uh, you mentioned vans. Yeah. I see you picking up cars on subject two and all that. How does that work? Um, you know, this is an interesting market right now. There's this massive bubble in ca the car market the last sure. couple of years, like, you know, because the chips and mm -hmm. all that kind of crap. So house or cars were super expensive. And so right now I wanted to get a Sprinter van and I'm like, I want a Sprinter van. So when my students come in town, we go hang out, we go visit things. I'm like, I don't want to rent a van anymore. I want to buy one. So I just go on, uh, we, I have a new Facebook group. It's all about cars b being sold creative finance with creative finance. Last year, we did close to a billion dollars in transactions on this Facebook group. Planes, trains, automobiles, bro. Like everything you could imagine. People are buying planes on this Facebook group. They're buying cars on this Facebook group. It's just sellers coming on there going, take over my payments. Just take over my freaking payments right now. So like the 
transit van I bought the other day, $90,000. A seller is like, it's worth 90, but I can't get 90. People are offering me 91. I go, I'll give you 90 grand, but I want to give you no money down and I'll pay you $1,000 a month for the next 90 months. He's like, done. So for the next, what is that? Eight years, seven years, I'll pay him $1,000 a month for this van and I'll, that van will make me so much freaking money. Have you heard of this working with boats? Uh, yeah, yeah, people do it with boats all the time. I really want to buy a pick up a boat uh, this summer. We do yacht meetups That's out in San Diego, sick. and I thought I could pick up a boat. We could just do the yacht meetups on the boat. I It'd be a tax write off. Um, so we'll see. Maybe maybe I'll hit you up for some seller financing tips uh, and some I creative finance tips subject to with the boat. It. I love <laughs> it. I bet you right now there's people right down in San Diego that are having a hard time paying their payments on their their yacht, their boat. You can pick those bad boys up right now. Yeah. That's and a then, dope meetup. And then like we'll have to have a boat. Yeah. Cash flow and cocktails, man. We do it from May so till sick. September. I'll tell you what. Let's pick up the boat on subject two and I'll have you out for one of the meetups. I love it, dude. Let's do it. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming on the show, my man. It's always great catching up. And uh, it's cool down here in downtown Nash. We got a little view of the skyline. Best chicken sandwich I ever had in my life was yesterday. <laughs> where, like, where at? Uh, Hattie B's. Okay. Maybe we'll go there today. Get the, get the, get the sandwich. <laughs> it's called The Sandwich. Don't get hot. It's twice as hot as you would imagine. Get mild. And best fries, best coleslaw, best bro, the best chicken sandwich I've ever had in my life. No, no exaggeration. It's Patty B's, we're gonna make it happen. Yeah. Pace, how can everyone get in touch with you? DM me on Instagram, guys. If you ever have any questions, you need help with anything, or we have a YouTube channel. We get <coughs> five million, seven million views a month on our YouTube channel, and we have got like three thousand videos on our YouTube channel. We crank, crushing the game, man. Yeah, we do a lot. He's Pace Morby. I'm Rich Summers. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next one. Peace.